Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Sherjarko, and I am thrilled to welcome back this episode my dear friend Ari Levine to discuss a piece of literature and film very dear to my heart, Little Women. Because I grew up watching the Winona Ryder version of this story pretty much incessantly, and I also grew up in Massachusetts where the story takes place, watching the new Greta Gerwig version made me feel intensely nostalgic. And so I started thinking about wines that made me feel similarly nostalgic, so I'll talk about some of those. Now, before we begin, I just want to clarify that this is a story that is important and was formative to me and Ari, and probably to many of you as well, but it is, for lack of a better word, a very white story, and I 100% recognize that it may not be relevant or at all interesting to a whole bunch of people. We'll talk about it a bit in the episode itself, but I just wanted to say that while I think it's very important to support women filmmakers, it is very disappointing that a film like Little Women has garnered so much critical acclaim and a film like, say, Hustlers did not. So anyway, Long story short, this is an episode more than anything about the stories that informed our childhoods and our lives, and while Little Women is foremost among those for me, I know it's not for everybody, and I want to hear what stories, books, and films make you feel nostalgic. Before we dive in, I of course need to thank our most wonderful patrons, and especially our producer-level patrons. Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Allison Turi, and Jacob Penfold, all of whom I'd like to put on theatrical productions in the attic with. I don't have an attic, but maybe someday. And to our advanced producers, Mara Zobrist and Michael Beck, whom I look up to and value more than Marmy March, aka the Hulk. If you would like to join these stupendous creatures, come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can get access to bonus content for as little as $1 a month. Without further ado, here is episode 56, Little Women with Ari Levine. Hooray! Hooray! Oh, I am so happy to have you back in the in the um, you know the ether studio. <laughs> that should be the name of my my production company, the Ether Studio, or the Closet Studio, because we're both in closets right now. Yeah, <laughs> we are. It's like you know we're we're connected over time and space through closets. Very true. It's very Narnia. Yes. I love that. Yes. We call our closet downstairs Narnia because it's like a really deep coat closet. Ooh. Like you have to walk very far back into it to get to the coats. And um, and we keep some of our suitcases back there. And uh, and the cats like to sleep on the suitcases. Aww. So when we can't find the cats, we're like, oh, they're probably in Narnia. Cats do <laughs> love. Yeah. I had to take a couple suitcases out to fit myself in and Lucy is sleeping on a suitcase outside. <sighs> Perfect. Yes, they love suitcases. She's guarding the studio. She's she's a good studio manager. Oh yeah, my God. she is. Just like Queen. Queen is, is sleeping on the bed outside, but oh. she might come in at some point. Nice. Okay, well, that's a good segue into um, what we're going to be talking about today, which I'm so excited uh, to have back on pairing the one, the only, Ari Levine. Thank you, thank you. 
Welcome back, Ari. And uh, we are going to be discussing another important nostalgic piece of literature and film, Little Women, which many of you have probably seen the the new, the Greta Gerwig adaptation of it. Um, If you have not, probably quick spoiler warning for this one. If you haven't seen the new Little Women and or any version or read the book or anything, I think we're going to be talking about the plot to a certain extent. Um, and so, and so just a little spoiler warning up here at the, at the top, if you want to stay, if you want to stay blissfully ignorant, um, maybe, you know, press pause on this and go and go, you know, watch Little Women or read the book or listen to it, you know, something, something like that. Yeah. Anyway. Support female filmmakers. Yes. Ugh, who okay. don't get nominated for directing Oscars. I was going to – when I went to go see this movie, I I had, like, drafted a tweet on Twitter or Facebook or something, and I was like, man, that movie was really great for having no director whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> I saw some headline that was like, do people think Little Women directed itself? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh Anyway, well, the Oscars are super problematic. Yeah, and the Oscars I'm, are I'm, trash. They are trash. I I care less and less every every year. I mean, listen, I will still watch them. Me too. Me too. But I just trash. won't care. I just won't care. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There is nothing that will make me see the Joker. Oh no, me neither. Maybe, maybe at some point when it's on streaming or something. But but otherwise, I have I have zero interest. Um, But what I did have a great interest in and I did enjoy very much was Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Yes. Um, For some context, I grew up watching the Winona Ryder Little Women. Hard same. Like almost every day. And so (laughs) for for like a brief time in my life, that was like my my obsession movie. And I recently so after rewatching or after watching the new Little Women, I rewatched it the other day and we were texting about this, Ari. But I forgot how formative that movie was and the story is to my life. I was like. Oh my god! And I just had this intense nostalgia watching both of these movies, even the new one, just because the story is so formative to me. And I think uh, you you said that you had a similar experience to Ari growing up. Um, Definitely, so. yeah. It was one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, I have the VHS at my parents' house. I that think is I do too. Well loved and very mm-hmm. poor quality now. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, before actually before I saw the new Little Women, um, one day when my husband was feeling sick, uh, we watched the old the not the old one. There's a million versions, but the yes, there's Winona also wider Captain Little mm-hmm. Women. Um, yes. and it's yeah, it's just so cozy. It is. It's such a cozy movie, and I also like very much associated it with sick days like when I would stay home from school when I was sick when I was a kid like that was what I would watch 
Um, and so I was thinking about this and I, there's some wines that I'm going to, I'm going to pair like specifically with little women, but for the most part, I thought it would be cool to talk about like wines that evoke that similar nostalgic feeling. I love it. Just like little women evokes that for us. It probably doesn't do that for everybody because not everybody, uh, grew up with it. And so, and so whatever, whatever movie makes you feel the way that Little Women makes us feel. Similarly, I just wanted to talk about wines that make me feel nostalgic. And, uh, hopefully, hopefully you all have those as well. Yeah. So I have, I have just a a list, a list of wines that like make me feel not the same way as Little Women, but like, when I see them or like smell them or taste them, I'm like, oh my God, I remember this moment in my life. And something that we talked about in the wine industry a little bit is, or, and there have been studies, you know, it's not not unique to the wine industry, but memory is so tied into the sense of smell in particular. And so that's, that's something that I think is really interesting. And that I try to tell myself, like, I'm really helping my brain and my memory by you know, like drinking so much wine because I'm working on my, you know, remembering scents and tastes Your and stuff like that. Your sense memory exactly. to bring it back to theater class. Oh my God, that's right. <laughs> it's all connected. It's all connected. Okay, so I'll be talking about some of those wines as we, as we, uh, as we go forward. But Ari, I wanted to ask you, you know, given that we both grew up with the Winona Ryder. I forget the name of the director. It's also a woman who directed. Yes, I pulled this up. Um, oh, yes. Gillian great. Armstrong. Gillian Armstrong. Or maybe right. Gillian. Could be Gillian. G. I don't want to, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't. That was that was really presumptuous of me. Either, uh, either <laughs> Gillian or Gillian Armstrong. <laughs> um, you know, I was re-watching that, and I, I thought it would be cool to start off by talking about some of the differences between the two adaptations. I love that. And things that I, well, and I think, you know, I don't know how you feel, Ari, but most of the changes that Greta Gerwig made in the new one, um, I really liked. I really liked those choices. Particularly, I feel like the treatment of Amy and the development of that character was so strong. And don't get me wrong, little Kirsten Dunst is well a delight absolutely. <laughs> in the 1994 version. But yeah, Amy is just um played by Florence Pugh. I believe Florence Pugh is how is how you pronounce that. Um not not pug. Yes. But <laughs> Florence Pugh, yeah, she brings such like really gravitas to that character in a way that I would not have expected. Uh, Partly because she has this, like, beautiful, like, deep velvet voice. She does have that really deep voice. Yeah. Um, What what I thought was really great, and and, um, and I agree 100%, Kirsten Dunst as young Amy is classic, and she's wonderful and fabulous. It is not necessarily the actor's fault, but when they recast her for old, when she's older, mm-hmm. um, and and I think they've done this in every other adaptation of Little Women except for the Gre- Greta Gerwig, um, is recasting Amy once she gets older. Do we need to provide context on the characters? 
Um, maybe like a certain amount. Like I, I mean, I imagine if you're listening to this, hopefully you've either seen a a version of the movie. But um, but yeah. So Amy is the youngest sister, and she's very precocious as a child. And um, and the way the book is written, and from the Greta Gerwig one, it's probably a little less clear. Um, because they jump back and forth in time, which I really like. But most of the other stories are told more in a linear fashion. And so at a certain point, Amy grows up. It's like four years later. And so they they cast her. They recast her um, as a as an adult actor in and in at least the Winona Ryder version. I forget if that happens in like the Katherine Hepburn one or I know there was at least one other. It seems like there's so many versions. Yeah. I have the Wikipedia up. Yeah. It's been adapted to film seven times. Holy smokes. That's yeah. way more than I thought. Um and we've only seen two of them and I've never read the book. I saw I saw the Catherine Hepburn version at at least that one when I was when I was a kid and I did read the book. I don't remember the book specific like I I don't remember the book the way I remember the movie um but that's something that I want to talk about later in conjunction with the with the new Greta Gerwig version um which which is some some interesting interesting little tidbits in there but um just back to Amy really quickly I think it was a great choice even though Amy is supposed to be younger at the beginning of the story like she's supposed to be a child I think it was great to have just one actor play her and play her with seriousness, um, even though she's, you know, still precocious and and kind of, uh, you know, shallow at times. But she's a but she's like a real person. Yeah. And I think Greta Gerwig made so clear in her version that Amy it what you see as shallow in Amy when she's young as mm. she's as she's older, it's really practicality based on the times. Yeah. And that yeah. scene where um, Aunt March in Greta Gerwig's version, played by Meryl Streep, yeah. says, like, mm-hmm. you are your family's only hope. Like, they have yeah. no sons. Your parents don't have any money. Your sisters aren't going to marry well. You're you're the only hope to, you know, marry yeah. well and help your family. I thought that was a great scene. I do not remember if that's in the book or not. Yeah, I I don't know. I know that it's not in the Winona Ryder version. Yeah, definitely. Making not. it making it that explicit, that kind of responsibility that is put on Amy, like her desire to marry rich, it's not just like you know, shallow. It's actually because she feels the sense of responsibility in a way. Right, right. And and you know, the I think it's just really so clear about where women were at at yeah. the time in terms yeah. of, you know, having any agency. Like that was that was kind of one of the only ways to really um have the agency over your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um and that's and that's obviously the big twist. Um, in the Greta Gerwig one is the whole the whole idea of marriage and agency for women at this time, obviously in in the book and in every other version, Joe ends up marrying Friedrich, 
And in the Greta Gerwig version, it's at least in in uh, intimated or suggested that that doesn't actually happen, that that's just in the story that Joe had to write. Um, right. And that that's where it I, I think in every version of Little Women or I'm extrapolating from the two versions I've seen. Sure, there's sure. some element of marrying uh, Louisa May Alcott's real life mm-hmm. with Joe's story because it is semi autobiographical, mm-hmm. and it feels like it was made even more explicit in Greta Gerwig's version that uh, Louisa May Alcott didn't marry. Yes, um, and that like Joe married in the book, not. Because Louisa May Alcott really wanted to write it like that. Right, right. She was forced to um, at at that time. That was the only kind of acceptable story that you could tell about a, a, you know, hot-headed, independent woman. Like, she's Mm got to marry somebody by the end. Right. The the publisher says she either has to end up married or dead. Yep. <laughs> Which, by the way, that I didn't realize, but that is Tracy Letts, yes. the playwright. <laughs> Who was also in Greta Gerwig's Lady Bird. Oh, Also yeah. starring Timothy Chalamet and Saoirse Ronan. Oh, my God. We're, okay, we're going to have to talk about Timothy Chalamet as Laurie because I've got mixed <laughs> feelings about it. Same. Same. <laughs> super so so um but just to just to um bring in some wine stuff just for fun i interestingly enough i this was not on purpose but i was like making a list of wines that were like some of the first wines i sold or like can remember and like really remember the taste of them really vividly and a lot of them have the word petite in them and i was like oh well that's appropriate because that means little and we're talking about little women um petite femme Le petite femme. Is that how you'd say little women? In, I think in... so. Okay. I don't speak French, so I apologize. But uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of petite and also a lot of birds. Um, for some reason, on these on these wine labels or like birds in the name of them, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. But but that feels right. There's lots of birds in in Little Women. You know, nature is important. Um, <laughs> definitely. But there's a lot of like New England winter and fall uh, which, scenes, <laughs> which you may which you may not uh, identify as much with that, Ari, because you grew up in California, but I grew up in Western Massachusetts, and so. I also didn't realize, like, in rewatching these movies, I, like, when I was a kid watching them, I think I just took it for granted that, like, that was the world. Because I was like, this is where I live. So that's obviously where the, like, where the story takes place because uh, that's the only world I know. Because um, Everything you know. <laughs> takes place in Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I thought when I was a kid. But um, in rewatching it and, you know, having not lived in Massachusetts for quite a while now, I, I do get very homesick for it. And watching both the new one and the, the old one, uh, just, like, looking at the New England landscape made me very very nostalgic um yeah my husband had a similar reaction i watched both Mm -hmm. versions with him in the last Mm -hmm. like month or so and he's not from new england but he's from long island he's from close by yeah he's from close by and so yeah he was certainly having those like nostalgic feelings and we've been in california together for uh like 
seven, almost eight years. And so he definitely has that kind of longing for those, you know, beautiful, snowy, you know, yeah, beautiful, snowy views and beautiful fall. And yeah, just in in the southwest and uh southern california it looks pretty different yeah we do get snow in in santa fe but it's not it's not the same i mean it's much better (laughs) i don't actually miss winter in new england all that much because it's awful but uh but it looks pretty and it does look pretty it's mostly you know it's mostly fall that that new england fall is really there's nothing there's nothing like it it's true yeah you can't beat it you can't beat it. But um, so I just wanted to mention a few of these petite wines. Um, so <laughs> there is one that has one of my favorite names. Uh, again, apologize for the bad French pronunciation, but Le Bon Petit Diable, which I believe means the good little devil, which is a Cabernet Franc coming from the Loire Valley, is one of the first like really weird wines that I ever tasted and was and sold at my first job it's very light it's very fruity it's almost like fizzy it's one of those quote-unquote natural wines so it's almost fizzy when you open it and then it kind of calms down a little bit Uh, but I think that's a really good wine for Amy because she's a good little devil you know she's 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 devilish. She's she's oh yeah. But I mean, the scene where she burns Joe's book is a very little devil move. Absolutely, absolutely. And And we've all oh the limes. Yep, and and getting her the limes. Uh, I I do think that um, I mean. Florence Pugh did an amazing job playing the part. the The only problem is, I mean, and it's and and I'm willing to forgive it. Like she really is never a child in the movie. It feels yeah. like, and Kirsten Dunst does capture Amy as a child and really captures like you know kids messing up and and like you know you know making bad decisions and just being dramatic and self involved. In yeah. a way, in a way that that Florence Pugh can't quite because she's like a twenty five year old person. So <laughs> yeah, know, I you, feel like you can't pretend you're ten years old when <laughs> totally. Yeah, I I don't think that either movie. I I think both movies are wonderful as they are, but I I do think that Kirsten Dunst is stronger in the young young Amy scenes, but Florence Pugh, it just pays off so much in the older Amy scenes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, oh, yes. And so uh, what I was saying before, but so they recast, so there's a different actress who plays older Amy in the Winona Ryder version. And I don't necessarily think it's the actress's fault, but suddenly the character has no character at all. Yeah. And, and is just an object for Lori to like have desire for. Yeah, um, she's a little bit of a sexy lamp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know the similar to the Bechdel test, there's like yes. an even lower standard which is the sexy lamp test. Yeah. So if can can a woman in a movie be replaced with a sexy lamp? And have yes. the plot not be any different. Yes, yes. And, and I, the... I would not say that for Kirsten Dunst's Amy, but um, right. I'm. I looked up the the name of 
The woman, Samantha yes. Mathis. Samantha Mathis, yes. And I remember she is also in American Psycho with uh with Christian Bale. Which yeah. I thought that was I thought that was uh, an interesting little connection there. Don't know she's if they, also, they had a thing. She's also the vice president of SAG. Oh of SAG AFTRA. Well, good for her. Yeah, good for her. Yeah, good for Samantha Mathis. She's, she's killing it. I, I again, I don't think it's her fault at all. I just think no, it's, no, no. it's a, it's a, you know, work had to be done both by Greta Gerwig in at adapting the 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 text and uh, Florence Pugh for interpreting it in a more three dimensional, less sexy lamp, uh, yes, sort of fashion. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to talk about in in the Winona Ryder version. Claire Danes plays Beth. Yes. And I have I have very mixed feelings about Claire Danes as an actor, but I think she's terrific. She cries so good. She cries so good. She makes me feel so much. Yeah. I Ugh, think she's she definitely a stronger heart. Beth than um the woman. Yes, Eliza I think Eliza Scanlon. Eliza Danlin Scanlin. 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 Cool. Yeah. Yeah, the Beth was kind of yeah. a nothing burger, I feel, in the Greta Gerwig version. I did like the story that they fleshed out with uh with yes. Grandfather Lawrence. I thought that was moving, but that was more his story than Beth's story. Agreed. I thought. I thought yeah. yes. Claire Danes just has such pathos. Yeah. Yeah, she does. Like there's something like you really like get drawn it like the scene where she goes down to the um to the cabin oh i'm forgetting the family the family's name but the you know with the sick kid and you know, and the yes. scene where she like takes the sick baby and you can just see in her eyes this like fear but like oh it's very it, it's very she does a really good job i think in this movie i have not liked other performances of hers nearly as much as this mm-hmm. but i don't dislike her or anything i just think she's resoundingly medium um, yeah. in yeah, a lot she... of things the hummels i'm sorry yes that yes just the, came hummels. To my mind. Yes, the hummels yes thank you the, are the hummels, like poor they're... family who lives in the little like one room shack yes who give uh whose babies who are dying give yeah Beth Scarlet yeah. Fever. yeah yeah uh not 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 great not yeah. great. And there's there is part of me that's like when when Marmy leaves for to to go check on uh you know the dad who's injured down in Washington and she's like Beth you go check in on the Hummels. It's like what you should probably send Meg or Joe cuz they they already had scarlet fever, right? We learn that later. That probably they that would be better anyway yeah i know i know she can't anticipate that but also beth is like the goodest of course she's and and she doesn't have again you know she doesn't have much of a character other than she is good and she gets sick and she plays piano real nice yeah yeah we don't really get that much more from beth but but i feel like claire danes kind of made her more of a three-dimensional character yes and I think I think also like it's in the script a little bit more, and because yeah. I think in the Greta Gerwig version they give so much more attention to Amy that some of the attention to 
Meg to a certain extent and um and Beth kind of they kind of get pushed by the wayside a little bit. Yeah. I the um the scene where I think I can't remember if it's the one where they fake you out that Beth has died mm-hmm. or the one where she's actually died. Maybe it's mm-hmm. the fake out one where like mm-hmm. Joe goes into the room and the bed is made and there's the little the, her like rag doll. Yeah, yeah. Well, the doll is so iconic. Yes. Um, yes. In the in like but yeah, the shot in the in the, the in the Winona version where Beth has died and Hannah is like yeah. strewing the rose petals mm. and like touching the doll. Oh God. Oh my God. So, all the waterworks. All the waterworks. And just like I remember so many shots in the in that movie. Like I in rewatching this movie, like Aunt March cross stitching. I was like, oh my God, that's mm. why I started cross stitching when I, which I did for a while when I was a kid. Um, there's so many things that I was like, did I become who I am today simply because of this movie? Possibly. Probably. Probably. And I'm okay with that. Um, what I'm realizing as I've, as I get older. Yes, yes. Is that I love. Now that we're so old. As anyone as old as I. Um, yeah. We're 30. It's yeah, fine. Um, but as I've gotten older, I love content where everyone's trying their best. Yes, yes. I just really, I really appreciate that. And Little Women very much falls into the category. I would also say The Great British Baking Show. Mm, absolutely. And um, <laughs> my guilty pleasure, a BBC show called Call the Midwife. Oh, I've heard that's really good. Everyone's try. Everyone's just trying their best. Yeah. And I, I really, <laughs> in these troubling yeah. times, I yeah. prefer that kind of content. Absolutely. There's enough, there's enough dark content out there that sometimes it's nice to just watch people doing their best. Yeah. And just like loving each other a lot. And... Yeah. And that's a yeah, that's another thing is and and I I don't have any sisters and definitely didn't have this kind of relationship with my brother, but like watching the sisterly relationship in Little Women was also really important and I'd like to imagine is is good for young women to watch just watching women being supportive of each other. Yeah. Um yeah, I think that's 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 very important and very I, nice. I've I'm not a person who is in a big family. I like kind of was an only child, kind of not. Yeah. Um but it definitely made me wish that I was in a big family with all these sisters and just like that um the the most idealized version of that kind of like chaos but also love and always having playmates and yeah the attic scenes where they're doing mm. their theatricals like i was watching that and <laughs> i was watching that scene in in the winona rider version the other night i was like oh my god this is why i became an actor <laughs> and watching Joe, Joe is like my hero for such a long time growing up. And I definitely wanted to be a writer too, which I still could be. I still could be. Yeah. But like, I think I used to, I used to try to get, get ink stains on my hand. Aww. Like she has. <laughs> Cause I was like, look, it means I'm, I'm a writer. I'm creative. <laughs> we were, I was, 
when I watched uh, this, I think the second Little Women with my husband, um, I was like, who am I? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which that, Little Women am I? This is, this is a question I was going to ask you. Which one do you think you are? I um, think I'm Beth. Or no, sorry, you're... not Beth. No, no, no. I think I'm Meg. Yes, I was gonna yes, say. You're, I think I'm you Meg. seem you seem you seem much more like a Meg to me. And I realize I realize I said that I I feel like Meg kind of got shafted in this new movie, but I want to take that back um, because I do think that like we get to see a more interesting perspective on Amy. We also, to a certain extent, get to see a diff- a new perspective on Meg. Yeah, I think. Emma Watson maybe gets a little less screen time yes. than Trini Alvarado. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I was looking her up too because I was like, this woman is gorgeous. She's so beautiful. She's so beautiful. The woman who plays Meg in the Winona Ryder version. And I don't think I've seen her in anything else. I I was looking her up on IMDb. I don't think I've... She's been in some other things, but... Yeah, it seemed like maybe, yeah, she had, like, more stage roles as, like, mm. a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, she was in an, I'm, this is me just looking at Wikipedia, but she was, she played Anne Frank in an off-Broadway show. Okay, okay. Not the one, not the Diary of Anne Frank, a different one. Yeah. Okay. All um, right. And yeah, it it seemed like that was kind of more of her career, and mm-hmm. then yeah, she's got like some things, but not not a ton. Yeah, she never she never like that. This this movie was pretty much her big her big film role. It I think seems so. Like. Oh, this is very exciting and relevant to your interests and okay. my interests. Ooh, yay! She's provided the voiceover for. The Tamora Pierce audiobooks, <gasps> oh so the god. Alana series. Oh my god! Okay, wait. This changes everything. I know. Doesn't that change everything? <laughs> I oh have so many Audible credits. I'm gonna go download all of them now. Yay. Speaking Yay. of like wonderful books for young girls, yes, absolutely. Anything by Tamora Pierce. Also very formative to me. Slightly later in my life, but yeah, um, but definitely very, very uh, important as well. I want my nieces to read Tamora Pierce. Yeah. Oh yeah. I they're... think they're the right. Certainly, my thirteen-year-old niece is the right age. I'm yes. not sure about the ten-year-old because there, there is a little bit of like sexuality. There's a little sexy times, but um, but definitely the thirteen-year-old. I think I read it when I was like 10 or 11 and probably some of it went over my head. But, yeah. But but I think 13 is the perfect age to to read Tamora Pierce. Definitely. Okay, we're going to circle back to that. But <laughs> But yeah, so so but every other actor in the Winona Ryder version either became or already had huge careers like Susan Sarandon as Marmy, Christian Bale, this was not his first role, but one of his earlier roles. And he definitely, as Laurie specifically, was my first crush. Yes. Is now the time to talk about the Lorries? Yes, let's talk about the Lorries. Let's do it. Let's okay. do it. Before we dive into these hot takes of Christian Bale versus Timothy Chalamet as Laurie, let's talk about our first sponsor for this week. Wink. <laughs> 
Wink is a wine subscription service that a baby som like me can get behind because they are committed to quality, education, and value. They work with top winemakers and growers from around the world directly to make all of their own wine, which is unique and so important for quality and ethical value. You take their short, simple palate quiz, and they'll recommend four wines to you. If you don't like the look of what they chose, then you can add, subtract, or switch out from their extensive selection. There's no fee and no commitment. You can skip shipments at any time or get extra shipments. Your credits never expire. They carry over. So I realized this month that I had some extra Wink credits, so I decided to treat myself to some of the slightly more expensive wines in their repertoire, including the Space and Time Cabernet Franc, which I'm really excited to try. It should be getting here today, though I may have to save it for our next Star Wars episode. Bum, bum, bum. And right now, Wink is offering our listeners $22 off your first order when you go to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast. And it gets even better. I know you all hate paying for shipping, so Wink will actually pay for your shipping on orders of four bottles or more. So take something off your to-do list. Just go to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast to get $22 off your first order now. So if you get the four bottles that they recommend, depending on what you choose, it will probably total up to less than $10 a bottle. I can barely get that deal with my industry discount. So once again, that's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash pairing podcast. We are also sponsored this week by Care Of. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. We're at the end of January and some of your New Year's resolutions might be waning, but Care Of will help you set a resolution you'll actually keep. Care Of's quiz helps you find the vitamins and powders that will support your specific health goals this year, like improving your fitness routine or managing stress. I know that's one that I need to take care of. The convenient daily packs are perfect for an on-the-go lifestyle. Just throw one in your purse or gym bag and you're on your way. Care Of is focused on the quality, science, and research that goes into each of their products and recommendations. And the individual eco-friendly packs are made of compostable films, and there's tons of info on how to compost them on Care-of's website. There are also little fun facts or quizzes on each pack, and I love looking at those to start my day. Health is made easy thanks to Care-of's online quiz. You take the short quiz and answer some questions about your diet, health goals, and lifestyle, and Care-of will recommend a list of vitamins and supplements specifically for your health needs and goals. You answer easy questions like, how much sleep do you get? How often do you work out? Do you follow any specialty diets? Are you concerned about your hair, skin, and nail health? And more like that. I really enjoyed taking this quiz. It was super fun and made me think about my health and lifestyle in a way that I hadn't before. I also really love that they make it clear which products have more research done into them, and they ask you if you're open to trying herbal supplements as well as vitamins. It's all super transparent, and I really appreciate that. And right now, as a special deal to help make meeting your goals achievable, Care Of is offering our listeners 50% off your first order when you go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the promo code PAIRING. That's TakeCareOf.com and the promo code PAIRING for 50% off your first order today. And now, back to the show.
my problem with Timothy Chalamet mm-hmm. is he looks like he would have been mean to me in middle school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the main thing I see when I look at him. And yes. he looks, I maybe this is a like, I am too old now but like he looks like a child he looks like a child that's and my first I problem with don't him <laughs> feel like i can crush on him whereas yeah. christian bale i love i love young christian bale obviously Me too. newsies oh my god newsies and yeah and and you know in in recent years he's come to light as a sort of weird person you know but yeah but growing up he was young like christian bale he was young Christian Bale. He was great. And 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 I think part of what he has is he's got like I mean, Laurie's kind of a douchebag. Um yeah. a lot of the time. Yeah. But like it's a really well constructed character. Yeah. You know, like like yeah, lots of fundamentally good people say shitty things sometimes. Timothy Chalamet is um, just like a little punk. Yeah, he is a little <laughs> punk. He also like he looks like a, a model to me and like not in a good way like kind of that that like the way his face is like it feels like he he always has that kind of emotionless expression or just kind of like dour expression mm-hmm. and and it just doesn't do it for me Christian Bale had just such a sparkle yes like a sparkle in his eyes and like that mischievous Thing exactly. In the scene where um, they're in the attic with with their costumes on as mm-hmm. like the gentlemen of the theater um, and Joe proposes that they add a new person to the troupe and then it turns out that Laurie's been like hiding the whole time. Yes. he's. De- it's so delightful to it is so see delightful. Christian Bale pop up. Yes. And, and I think that's really true. There is like a sparkle and more fun in his performance than Timothy Chalamet like it like like yeah like like the the scene where they dance is fun yeah but but it feels like very calculated and orchestrated or like choreographed Mm -hmm. um while while Christian Bale feels a little bit more unruly Um, yes can we talk about a line that is in the 94 version and not in the 2019 version yes let's when laurie is like taking amy in the carriage to on march's house and she amy's like freaking out about is ever like am i gonna die is everyone gonna die and laurie says to amy i promise to kiss you before you die and this and this is adult man christian bale saying this to (laughs) child kirsten dunst Yep. And and like I for the for the record, I think he does a good job making it as le- least creepy as possible. Yes. But given the like because it's supposed to be playful because she says, I've never been kissed. And and he's supposed to be like, Well, I tell you what, you know, like I but it's it's very it's very unsettling. It's unsettling. <laughs> but it's, it's very also unsettling. One of the lines that has just stuck with me forever. Yes. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Going back to Amy a little bit, we haven't discussed my most favorite line that is, I, at least in these two versions. Yes. Um, when <laughs> I, Joe... I have an idea that, of what this line is going to be, and I hope I'm right. 
when <laughs> Joe has sold her hair mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to uh, to pay for the ticket for Marmy to go see their dad. Um, yep. And she, like, takes her hat off. Amy goes, you're one beauty. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> it's my favorite, too. Um, I love it so much. It makes me laugh so much. And Kirsten Dunst. I mean, I think Florence Pugh does a great job delivering the line as well. But Kirsten Dunst yes. is so earnest. <gasps> you're one beauty. You're one beauty. It's so good. Yeah. I wrote that. I wrote that down here. Okay. Yes. Uh, oh my god, so good. Okay, let me see. Let me find another petite wine to talk about. Um, okay, so another one that is one of the earliest wines that I worked with is called the Petite Piaf, which I'm not sure what Piaf means, but I know that there's a bird on the label. Let me look it up, actually. Like Edith Piaf? Like Edith Piaf. But anyway, but the but the, the name of the producer is Domaine de la soule or something like that which does mean bird in at least a certain dialect of french so there's a little bird on it put a bird on it um and and it's a it's also a french wine but it's a much more full-bodied wine and very very funky and weird and earthy um and i think that that one is probably more of a Joe wine than any yeah. of it. Maybe it's a Marmy wine, actually, especially Laura Dern Marmy. Yes. Like, my new favorite. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a there's like a meme going around the internet of, of um, it's hard to describe exactly, but it's like a picture of Marmy and the Hulk. And then the quote, I am always angry. Yes. <laughs> Because I loved that in the in the Greta Gerwig, because that is not in the in I think any other version. No, and I, no. I doubt if it's in the book. Um, it's Marmy such talking a about, good line. It's so good how she's 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 an angry person, and I really love the relationship between Cersei Ronan Joe and Laura Dern Marmy in this. Yes. Yeah. Um, in this version, Susan Sarandon and Winona Ryder have have a great relationship too it just doesn't have quite the depth that Mm -hmm. this um that the new version has um i just i want a marmy i want to be marmy yes like (laughs) i know she's in she's fucking incredible she is like wonderful she's so wonderful she's like a perfect person and but perfect in her imperfections exactly exactly but just like you know unfailingly generous and loving Mm -hmm. while still being very human and flawed. Oh, back to the French. um, Piaf means sparrow. Oh, there you go. The little sparrow. That makes perfect sense. It's probably a sparrow that's on the wine label. Um... Another another bird wine that I thought of is one that I might have talked about in our last episode together. Um, I don't remember exactly, but it is one of my favorite red wines from Austria. And it, it is called the Pitti from Pitnauer, which I don't think that means I don't think that means little in German. I don't think Pitti means little in German, but uh, it kind of sounds like Petite and yeah. it also has a bird on it. And it's delicious. And it's a blend of Zweigelt and Blaufränkisch. Ooh. Yeah. And I think, actually, you know what? That's a really good one for Lori. Because it's kind of it's kind of smooth. It's kind of spicy. 
He is smooth and spicy. He's smooth and spicy, and he's again, he's not perfect. He's 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 very flawed, and he makes a lot of mistakes. But you know, you gotta you gotta love him. Ugh, just every like I. I stopped taking notes because I was taking notes while watching the Winona Ryder one, knowing that we were going to record this episode. And eventually I just stopped because I was literally like, oh, my God, I remember that shot. Oh, my God, I remember that shot. Oh, my God, that shot. You know, so it just like it got to the point where I was like, yes, okay, we get it, Emma. You watch this movie a lot as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) But I also uh, we haven't really talked about it, but I. I also think that this is a great performance from Winona Ryder. Yes. Um, who who has done many wonderful things, but this was one of the like first like not Tim Burton things she did, mm-hmm. I think. Uh not Tim Burton and not Bram Stoker's Dracula, which right. uh was uh, you can you can listen to to our Dracula episode to <laughs> hear what my thoughts are on that. But um but I thought she was just really really great in this in this movie and and you know has that spunk that Joe has and is also, you know, incredibly deep and loving and passionate and um and I believe her. You know, and she was nominated for an Oscar for this performance. Oh my God! Way to go, Winona. She. I don't think you got it, but I, I, you know, I would have rooted for you. Me too. <laughs> yeah, she. Um, she garnered critical acclaim and two consecutive Academy Award nominations. Very wow. cool. Um, for what was the other one for? The Age of Innocence, Martin Scorsese. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so she did do that before this, I think. And Reality Bites came out the same year. Oh, wow! And she also did um Heather's before that, a couple years before. Yeah, she done. Yeah, she done Heather's. A great movie too. I haven't seen it in a long time, but it's yeah, I haven't either. But I it it is fantastic. No, I love Winona Ryder, and I love all of her like almost all of her performances but this one there's something very earnest about this one yeah and that and she doesn't always have that like i think on purpose in many of these other movies but i i really i mean the the character of joe march is very important to me and yes was very formative for me and uh she is definitely to the point to the point that like it took me about you know maybe halfway through the new one for me to accept Saoirse Ronan. Mm-hmm. Like, I think Saoirse Ronan does a great job. Oh, yeah. But, but I, she's the one who I had a hard time getting over, like, my idea of what this character is mm-hmm. and and coming around to, like, okay, this is a new interpretation on this character. And I think it's a terrific one. And I think she does a great job in, you know, probably in some ways objectively, like, I like things she does better than I liked Winona. But... You know, just so deeply ingrained in my mind. Same. Everything. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very same. I was thinking, um, you know, we already talked about which little woman we think we are. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with the, in in a series or universe, who do you think you are? Who do you wish you were? And who do you fear you are? Ooh. I, I. I feel like I've heard this, but I would love to play this game. I feel like everyone wishes they were Joe. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I I certainly I I certainly wish I were Joe and think that I'm um uh, Meg. Uh-huh. 
I I definitely wish I were Joe. I I don't necessarily think I am Joe, but I can't think of which one I would be. Like I don't think I'm Beth. I could no. be Amy. I could be an Amy, but like older Amy, like Florence Pugh Amy. Yeah. Um, but I do feel I do feel more I I mean I see Joe for you. Okay, okay. I didn't, you know, I don't want to say that about myself. I feel like. (laughs) It's like calling yourself a Gryffindor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, But I'm curious about who do you fear you are. So I feel like without the Greta Gerwig movie, Amy Mm -hmm. would be the one you say you fear you are. Yeah. But like, you wouldn't say you fear your Florence Pugh. No. Because no. she's so wonderful. And so I guess I fear, like, poor Beth. I guess I fear I'm Beth. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I mean, I can, I think I, I do in a certain way of, like, fearing, like, and and I don't think that this is as much in the new one, but in the, or or maybe it is. I can't remember, but her line of, like, I don't like being left behind. Yeah. Um, like, I think that's something we all fear a little bit. Yes. Is, is like, are the people around us moving forward and us being left behind? And that's definitely something I fear a bit or just like, you know, fearing isolation or loneliness. Yeah. Not, not meeting my full potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's that and the other thing. Yeah. She's so, she's a character who is like so good and so pure, but also so unfinished. Yes. Yes, and that's and I think that's part of the point. And I think that you could probably dive into her character in a way that the Greta Gerwig version fleshes out Amy much better. You could probably do a version mm-hmm. of this that gives Beth her due a little bit more. Yeah. Because because like it's not that she's unrealistic or just objectified or anything like that like she's not a sexy lamp she's <laughs> she's kind she's of a sad, a sad lamp, lamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a sad lamp she's a sad but... trombone <laughs> yeah <laughs> a sad violin tiny yeah. violin but there's stuff there you know there's stuff there that makes her real and believable and not just kind of a caricature yeah a college paper could be written about like mm living with chronic illness and mm, Beth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know absolutely and how like people who are yeah chron- chronically sick are sort of dealt with in film and tv and I don't know absolutely. there's there's a college paper for someone oh there. absolutely maybe absolutely. it's already been written has Those every college paper been written <sighs> probably what there's, are we even doing there are no new ideas there are no new ideas well, I I would definitely be interested to read that paper. Me too. Um, someone who's in college and is smarter than me, please write that. Paper. Yeah, I feel like they can. <laughs> you know, Susan Sontag's uh, illness as metaphor comes to mind. Oh, absolutely. As like a secondary source. So you know, yeah. we're we're really uh, teeing it up for oh yeah, some college student. Just out there. getting you getting you ready. Just yeah, you, you know, basically <laughs> writes itself at this exactly, point. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Okay, I had just a couple other wines I wanted to mention. Yes. Um, but my last, I think this is my last wine that has Petite in the in the name. Um, but there's a wine and a winery called Le Petit Paysan, which I believe means the little farmer. 
Um, but that is actually an American wine. It is made in Monterey, California. Beautiful and place. It is. And um, they make a Chardonnay that I absolutely love. And I think that's a good Meg wine um, mm-hmm. because... I feel like I feel like Meg is a is is kind of a white wine type of type of girl. Yeah. But, but it's it's um it's not like your typical Chardonnay. It's it's much lighter and drier, crisper, has high acidity. And so like, you know, Meg's got her sharpness as well. Yes. Yeah, she's got sharp elbows when she yes. when she needs to. Absolutely. Th- that reminds me something that I wanted to talk about, which as a child, I did not understand the whole, like, part of the story where Meg goes to her friend's coming out party because – or coming out ball. Because yes. I didn't understand what a coming out ball was Fair. despite being from New England. <laughs> um, I was not from that part of New England or that, that part of society. You weren't Rory Gilmore? I was not Rory Gilmore. <laughs> I've been rewatching Gilmore Girls. Me uh, too! just saw the debutante uh Episode. Oh, the debutante ball. Yes, so good. We have also been rewatching Gilmore it's Girls. It's so good. It's it's so good. It's another one, you know, we were talking about we 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 released. I feel like this this episode ties in a little bit with our our um comfort wine and comfort TV episode. I feel like nostalgia, things that like evoke nostalgia for you and make you feel are like comfort things yeah. are often often similar, not necessarily all the time. Um, but I like this theme. I like this theme of talking about things that make you feel good. But yeah, so the the whole coming out ball scenes, uh, or in in the Winona version, I had no idea what was going on. I just knew that like Meg was showing off and was you know being told to wear fancy clothes, and then Lori comes and makes fun of her and is mean to her, mm-hmm. and then they make up, and that's about it I did (laughs) you know this story I you know it's an important story I I definitely recognize that it's a story that probably only white women can really relate to Mm -hmm. um there's not a lot of you know representation for people of color or queerness in this story unless you I think you can the spin on it yeah I think you can read some of that into Joe and and people Absolutely. certainly have certainly like queerness into Joe and people certainly Absolutely, have yeah but yeah, yeah it's a very white story yes and and there are very small attempts to make it a little bit like in in the old one like there's this in this scene in the in where Meg's with all her fancy friends and they're talking about like silk and she's like, well, it's made by little slave children, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to wear it. And it's like, okay, cool. And then in and I did like this moment in the new one where Marmy is talking to a black woman, where she's you know, uh, oh God, what's the word? Brain volunteering. <laughs> yes. Um volunteering you know to kind of help with the war in whatever sense and and i forget the line exactly but the black woman is basically like i'm sorry but you still have a lot to be sorry for or something about Mm -hmm. this country and and those are kind of the only two attempts in this story to like 
make it relevant to not just white people. Right. But so I do want to acknowledge that. Definitely. And it is it's a Civil War story. Yes. Which I think you forget because like it that's happening in the background. But then like you can't talk about the Civil War without talking about race. Mm-mm, mm-mm, um, mm-mm. but this movie, you know, sir, it's 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 part of the movie and the story in the book. But um, I I don't actually yeah. know in the book, but not um, I can't remember. Highly. I can't remember if it's ever like addressed that much, like how much slavery or anything is addressed, um, right, or race at all is addressed yeah. in the book. Probably not. Probably not very much. Um, but. So that's that's not great, but you know we're working slowly but surely. Every every adaptation of it seems to make it a little bit more relevant. So mm-hmm. you know we'll see in another twenty years. Maybe we'll get something that's a little bit more, a little bit more relevant. But what I do think is 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 relevant besides besides you know Joe's story, and and to a certain extent Amy's story because it's shockingly still relevant. The mm-hmm. the kind of you know, need and desire to to marry for for money, or or even to extrapolate more, um, the the need to um, cultivate who you are and how you look in order to be yes. successful. Yes, that's that's a much more eloquent way of saying that. And <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah. Did you go to Wesleyan? I went to Wesleyan University with oh. uh, someone very smart named Emma Shershaka. <laughs> oh, never, never heard of her. Never, never heard, heard of her. I heard she drank too much wine and now she can't remember words like volunteer. <laughs> That's okay. I like how I started off this this uh, conversation saying how, you know, wine can really help your memory. <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is a, a great, Just, a great example. Um, oh, but you were, we were talking about the, we were talking about the ball, the debutante ball yeah, scene. The and debutante I feel like you ball. had a, you had a thought well, I, I I don't know. I don't know if I had a thought so much as I had as I just wanted to bring it up as a question because it's an interesting scene and it's an interesting scene to include. I feel like in in the in the new version, the fact that it was included, I I I I I'm I'm not sure if I can put my my finger on it exactly, but it does feel relevant. But I can't quite say why other than that mm-hmm. it sort of helps flesh out Meg's character it it always feels a little bit disparate that part to me yeah um, I think it's like not necessary for the plot yeah no definitely but not. yet it's like it is such a scene that's memorable and in both yeah. versions I guess it, it does flesh out kind of the larger community and context mm, yes I, I think the March family is in an interesting position class wise mm-hmm. that's sort of yeah. similar it makes me think of like Pride and Prejudice where yes, yes they come from like a good family but they don't have a lot of money so they have access to you know some of the culture and privilege and mm-hmm. you know whatever that's imply that that you see actually in the yeah. debutante ball scenes but they they're like both of that community and outside it 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's I think that's really true. It it does help. It it does help put it into context that like there is some amount of uh, access to privilege and in in their within their community. Yeah, and, and you see that as like a contrast to the Hummels who are living mm-hmm. in like such abject poverty, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they kind of straddle both of these worlds. Absolutely, yeah. No, I think that's a very that's a very good point. And I also think um, now that I'm thinking about it, you know, there's more of an effort made in the new version with Emma Watson as Meg to kind of show her struggle between. Like, she does have a desire for wealth, but... And um, comfort. And, and comfort. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, I don't, I don't mean... struggle. Exactly, yeah. Like, when I say wealth, I don't mean she's, like, greedy. But but she has that desire. Or just, like, when she... And I, I like that scene where she, you know, buys the fabric for yeah. her dress. Like, it's the one, one little... You know, I can certainly relate. I've done some online shopping that I probably shouldn't do, but by golly gee, I just wanted that that thing to make me feel good. Yeah. And and then I regretted it yep. <laughs> when I got my credit card <laughs> bill. But um, <laughs> but but I thought that was really nice showing and I think that's also something that's very relatable. Um the the relationship and the the marriage between her and John say is her husband's name yeah I think think so yeah and just showing you know that like she you know they're they love each other but that doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have struggles and um she doesn't have other desires so right before we stop talking about the um the debutante scene when i oh, was yes. Let's a go kid, back to that. when i was a kid this is just one moment that's just in my mind when i was a kid i loved those like the little kids spitting grapes yes, yes. down the staircase <laughs> i'm sure i did that as a kid because of that movie i'm sure i'm sure i also remember that and loving that very very much um i also love meg's blue dress which I think which I didn't realize this but I think that older Amy wears that dress later Mm. in the movie that would Um, make sense yep it would make sense but it's a very pretty dress (laughs) Um, I did have one last wine that I wanted to talk about that is very like nostalgic for me whenever I see this wine or taste this wine Um, and it is a rosé lambrusco from Alfredo Bertolani. So this one is a is an Italian wine and it is also one of the first wines that I ever tasted and was like, "Whoa, wine can be like this." Um and it's uh it's just it's delicious, it's dry, it's super quaffable, but it's a little bit sparkly. It's darker than most rosés are, but it's not like fully a red wine. Um and this one I definitely think is a Joe March, a Joe March wine. Um, I think she would she would dig some some rosé lambrusco. Oh yeah, oh yeah, lovely. Yes, I also I also wanted to say um, I know that this is not very progressive of me, but I I I wanted to say that like in rewatching the the um, ninety four version and watching Joe's relationship with Friedrich played by Gabriel Byrne. Yes, um, yes, 
I did appreciate it more as as an older person who, for most of my young and early adult life, was like, I don't need a man. I don't want to get married. I don't want to do this. But then, but then I ended up meeting someone and falling in love and realizing, oh, yeah, actually, I do want to get married. And so I know that... I, I really like the spin, the Greta Gerwig spin on it, which is the Louisa May Alcott story, which is that she didn't ever get married and didn't need to. But I do want to give a little nod to that to that version of the story of like maybe reassessing your your desires when things change in your life. And I do think that that is a thing that happens to people. So it's not necessarily just like the the fairy tale patriarchal ending that it had to be um it is that but But it's more complex for sure it's more complex absolutely and i just wanted to to recognize that yeah definitely yeah i could just talk about this story yeah all day all day it's just such a lovely oh oh this is something i wanted to talk about yes so every year around Christmas time there's this Mm. like great internet debate about like what constitutes a Christmas movie and there's some movies that are like clearly Christmas movies because they're like about Santa but then there are these movies where like the holidays are a big part of it Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, you know, everybody loves to have that debate about whether Die Hard is a Christmas movie. And of course. I could not care less about yeah. Die Hard. But I will <laughs> that argue that me. Little Women is a Christmas movie. I, I agree with you. I think particularly the the 94 version yes. is because it does, it like begins with Christmas and Christmas is a very like, it marks important occasions throughout the film and throughout mm-hmm. the story given how Greta Gerwig's is framed just because there's the jumping back and forth in time yeah less so for sure I would say a little bit less so but I would I would agree with you and it definitely you know I mean I I, I say I miss autumn in New England and I definitely do but I I think that this movie is definitely like you said it's f- so cozy like you mm-hmm. just want to curl up by the fire in 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 the winter and with the snow falling outside. And, and I want someone to want... play Deck the Halls on the piano while like Absolutely. everyone sings and Aunt March sings out of key but very yep. triumphantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and also, this is a confession I wanted to make. Um, I forget... Uh, I forget exactly the words because, as you know, like I'm I'm Jewish and I don't... I never sang Christmas carols or hymns or anything growing up. But, uh, you know, when they sing, when they're singing it at the beginning and they say what it's like Gloria in excelsis or something. Mm-hmm. Um, as a child growing up, I always thought they were saying like in Chelsea. Like I thought they were talking about Chelsea. <laughs> it's like, who's Chelsea? a girl named Chelsea. Who's Chelsea? What's Chelsea doing? Yeah, what's Chelsea doing in this movie? Um, I do, as someone who also is Jewish, like, I don't, the ubiquity of Christmas is a problem for me. Sure. The, like, contemporary Christmas music on the radio forever. But I love an old-fashioned Christmas carol. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I love, like, a deck the halls and um, some of the, the more, like, classic 
ones, like the holly and the ivy, like that, that I think is yeah. really beautiful and lovely. No, me and too. I'm, I'm me always too. happy to participate if, uh, if invited to participate. <laughs> me, me too. Absolutely. I, I, I think I'm, I'm on your side. I think this is definitely a Christmas movie. Yeah. At least the 94, the 94 At least the 94 version. But, you know, this this new one, I think there's a reason why it came out kind of around Christmas time. Oh, yeah. It's about family and, you know, whether or not you celebrate Christmas, the holidays are supposedly a time for being with and about family. Definitely. So, absolutely. I did write down one note um, as I was watching the 94 version. Um, there's definitely not enough cats in the new one. Um, oh, def- there's so many there's cats. so many there's so many cats, and and I was like, why aren't there any cats in this new version? Um, oh my goodness! Or at least all of those, all of those kittens. I know, so many little kittens. Ugh. It's just like it was just like my dream. I was like, I want to live in this house. I want to have an attic, a theater attic. I, um, yes, and a I want just like slash theater attic. Yeah, and I want just little kittens running around everywhere. Something. And, and like right? a warm person named Hannah to just like bake bread for you. Uh, Hannah is a hero. We don't we don't give Hannah enough credit. She's such a hero. In the Greta Gerwig version, she was played by Jane Howdyshell, who's a Broadway actress who um just I can't remember if she won two consecutive Tonys, but she definitely won a Tony oh, wow. for the humans. She was nominated oh, two consecutive years. Okay. Um, okay. She looked really familiar to me, but I couldn't place her. So I've probably seen her picture around. Yeah. Because um, unfortunately, I don't think I've seen her perform on stage ever. But um, but that but that is lovely. Yeah. It was exciting to see her. Another yeah. fun, like, hey, theater person. Yeah, absolutely. I like I like how Greta Gerwig has this like little insular family of of actors that she pulls from. Yes, um, <laughs> as many as many actors as many directors do. I mean, but but yeah, um, I I have some other wines that I wrote down, but I I I don't want to over overwhelm people because it's just going to be me saying names of wines that make me feel nostalgic, <laughs> but. <laughs> I think you really covered it. We got did yeah. did all of the yeah. little women get their own wine? I think Beth didn't. You're right, Beth didn't. She can get Manischewitz. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate, the ultimate uh nostalgia wine. Nostalgia wine. That is appropriate for children to drink. And she's yes, so absolutely. sweet. Well, here's here's one um that I think is good for Beth, actually. There is a um rose vino verde. Um so it's a it's a Portuguese, slightly effervescent, but still dry rose um called Arcanova. And mm. um and that one I think is a good bath wine. Yeah, um, she seems like she'd be a rosé. She's yeah, so she's it, so delicate. Yes, it is very delicate. Uh and I think I think that's a good one for her cuz I gave the weird cab franc to Amy, the the little the good little devil. Yes. Um the petite piaf, the little sparrow, I think I gave that to Marmy, the pity from Bergenland in Austria, I gave to Lori. And the and the Rosé Lambrusco I gave to Joe. 
Excellent. Oh, and the and the Chardonnay to Meg. Yes. There we go. Perfect. They've all they've all got it. And oh, and let's see, Friedrich. He's not that important. Yeah, I think it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> no one else is important. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, we haven't talked about um who played their father. Oh my god, Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. <laughs> I know. When he came on screen, both Winston and I just laughed. Like, Bob Odenkirk, what are you doing? And he was great. I know. Was like, yeah, he was really here? good. He was really good, but it was a very weird casting choice. But yeah. it worked. Also, in the 94 version, Meg's husband, John, is played by Eric Stoltz. Yes. Who was originally supposed to be in Back to the Future and... They shot a bunch oh of scenes God. and then they recast it with Michael J. With Fox Michael J. Or... Fox and then reshot all of those scenes. Whoa! Yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, I like I like vaguely knew his name, Eric Stoltz, but and he and like sort of recognized him, but did not did not know what else he'd been in. But yeah. that is that is a fun tidbit. Movie history. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think we've covered. Most of what have. I wanted, I think we have. Um, this is a lovely. If you if you have listened to this and you haven't watched either of the movie or any of the movies, I should say. Apparently, there's seven of them. Catherine, the Catherine Hepburn one is great too. I mean, it's older, so it's a you know it's an older movie, but Catherine Hepburn as Joe March is also iconic. But I highly recommend watching the Winona Ryder one. I would watch that one first and then the Greta Gerwig one, I would say. Yeah, I think that's just a because, good way to do it. Just because I think you'll appreciate the kind of more creative storytelling in Greta Gerwig's more if you've seen some of the older, more traditional um yeah, if you already know the plot, it's easier to sort of manage the uh, going back and forth. I think some yeah. people who weren't familiar with the plot maybe got a little bit confused. Yeah, in the Winston version, Winston still hasn't seen any other version. He's just seen the Greta Gerwig one, and he said he could follow it mm-hmm. clearly. But because there is that little twist at the end, I think yeah, um, I think it's worth having seen the other version first I so agree. you can appreciate it I did have one last thing yes of course um, this is such a sidebar but a couple years ago we went to a play at the Fringe Festival that mm. was called um, Women in All Caps and uh-huh. it was an adaptation of Little Women in the style of girls <laughs> And they like mapped on all of the the girls' characters to the oh little women, God. and it was so funny. That is so funny, and yeah, I was just delighted by it. So shout out to whoever wrote that. Um, hey, if you're listening to really this podcast funny. and you wrote that, hit hit us up. Yeah, let us know. <laughs> well done, you. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> well. Unless you have anything else other than me going going shot by shot and being like, I remember this. I remember that. I remember <laughs> this. Because, you know, we could do that, but I don't think that would be very fun to listen to. We could just end <laughs> on your one beauty. Your one beauty. <laughs>
<laughs> I'm so glad that you said that. I knew you were going to say that when you were like, there's one line. <laughs> I just like, want to use it in real life when like. Me too. My husband like shaves off his beard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're like, one beauty. You're one beauty. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so good what a treat so good what a treat uh, to Amy March to Amy March <laughs> Pairing was created hosted and produced by Emma Sherjarko with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey this episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine.